America. We are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. They arrested me and they put me in jail and called my pappy to throw my bail. And he said, son, you're going to drive. What did he say? If you don't stop driving that hot. Rod Lincoln. All right, we're back. Season's back. NASCAR's back. Stock car racing is ready to commence here for the long season, as Eric has pointed out on here many it's a times. Long. It's it goes a in deep. It feels like it combines the NFL playoffs. Good afternoon here. It's Monday afternoon here at WSB Radio Studios. You may be hearing us on the PRN Podcasting Network of sorts or GoPRN.com. Wherever you pick us up, this is the 5 to Go Podcast. I'm Doug Fireball Turnbull, joined by two racing luminaries, longtime race fan and week uh, weekday host here from 9 to 11 on WSB Radio of the Von Hessler Doctrine, Eric Von Hessler. Hello. And we also have Dan Elliott from Dawsonville, a key member of that Elliott family racing team. And anytime we're at uh, Daytona, Dan, we got to talk about you, man. It's always good to have you around. Yep, I didn't know I was a luminary. There oh, you yeah. Go. You're shining bright, brother. Shining bright. And so what What we <laughs> so like, wait. I have shown bright before. <laughs> just like, don't burn out. Just, just, like, yeah. I guess we call it Dawsonville moonshine, Dan, right? If it's shining that yeah, bright. But I so. will do a burnout. I might not burn out, but I will do a burnout. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, some, somebody had some chances to do burnouts this weekend as the, this racing season is fully underway. And so what we do here on 5 to Go, for those that are hearing for the first time, is we don't just – recap the races and talk about just the top stories. We try to go deep on five different subjects, and now that the racing season is going, we'll try to do this every week and and have a roundtable discussion from different points of view. I, the newer racer fan, race fan, and also getting to do pit road reporting with PRN. Dan is a former uh, mainstay in a garage, used to run Gresham Motorsports Park as well, and Eric is just a longtime observer of the sport and analytical in so many subjects. That's we right. We could have pulled Eric from any walk of life and said, analyze this, and it would be new and refreshing. I'm one of those annoying know-it-alls. <laughs> That's, and you do a great job of it. So. Thank you. A great, great job on the Von Hessler Doctrine and here, and we're glad to get 2018 going. So I guess the, the easiest, most, uh, as you would say, Eric, hackneyed thing to start out with here is we've got Daytona. Now we have qualifying in the books. Alex Bowman and Denny Hamlin will be the front row for the Daytona 500 unless they change engines or, or crash their cars at Thursday's Can-Am Duels. And we've, we've seen every car get on the track for a little bit of practice. And then we've seen 17 cars run in the Clash on Sunday, the Advanced Auto Parts Clash, and uh, with Brad Keselowski doing what he uh, often does best, and that's win a plate race. So I guess I'll pitch to you, Eric, first. You got to watch everything on Sunday. What yeah. did you feel about the new rules package in Daytona and, and how the cars were racing out there and who's fast? Through most of it, I thought that, wow, this looks like it's going to be some, make some great racing <clears throat> for the Daytona 500. Watching the Clash, uh, I really liked what I saw. And then, strangely... It became a single file affair for a pretty long time for such a short race that's a yeah. non-points race and at a weird time in the race. Usually you'll see that early and then they'll start, but it was it was kind of toward the end of the race. Uh, the way the race started, put it this way, I thought it was going to have a much more exciting ending than it did. 
they were two and three wide all the way through that first yeah, half. Yeah, it was beautiful. Then, then they really had that. Uh, it wasn't technically a competition caution, but a scheduled caution on lap twenty-five, and that kind of shuffled the field up. Every, and if you notice right before they did the what's now the speedway key thing to do is try to pit before the caution and yeah. not lose the laps so and gain track position. And once once Kislowski and then Ryan Blaney behind him, yeah. and then Joey Logano too got there was no passing them, and they just I all. I just don't down. understand why in a non a, lot, a non points paying race. Uh, more people don't step out of line and go for it. I didn't. I didn't quite understand that. Hey Dan, what did you think of the activities there? Well, I started watching. I started to watch the race, and I thought, well, this is a replay of last year. That's a great point. Yeah, that uh, Joey Logano won it last year. Another Penske Ford. Yeah. And it seemed like there wasn't a ton on the line. And I think last year they had a big wreck on the last lap, also. And then, and then the leaders broke away, and it was it was you know just a cat fight at the end there. Yeah, it looked to me like more of the same. Now, we also had practice and qualifying in the books. So every car, so the only 40 cars showed up. In fact, BK Racing barely showed up. They, they they ran one practice lap just so they wouldn't receive any kind of penalty in qualifying there. So 40 cars show up. There's going to be no drama of, of missing the race. And, uh, and we saw, I think, a pretty even number of cars go to the front. And really, it's when they got into the draft runs that, You'd have somebody leading the whole practice session, and then suddenly all the Joe Gibbs Racing Toyotas or the Penske Fords yeah. would go to the front. But I'll tell you who looks strong is who's on that pole, Alex Bowman, and also the rookie William Byron and those new Camaro ZL1s with the Hendrick Motorsports team. New drivers, new car bodies. Yeah, but um, my sense is that once we get into the races, the Fords are going to do their thing. Did you get that? I think, uh, yeah. the, and qualifying is one thing, but once they get racing, it seems like the Fords... I mean, it's it's early. It's early, and there's a lot of time to go. But it still seems like the Fords have that uh, the plate races down. Yeah, they've won the last seven points yeah. paying plate races. I think that's the number I saw seven. And and yeah, but another... what uh, what you're going to have to understand is that the race is equalizer anyway. Because when you when you when you have events like yesterday and you non points and get into a points race and you get all the cars out there running together. My point is, is you really don't know. It's just an equalizer. Once you get in the race and it's 500 miles, you, you've got to survive it. And it's just so different once the race gets going and you really won't know, but you know, the, I think everybody, but last year Ford, I think, had the loudest voice of the cars that didn't do so well last year. Oh yeah. So I wonder if NASCAR had that in mind a little bit or N one had that in mind a little bit for this year. N one. Well, it's, and here's the deal. One thing that Penske and particularly Brad Keselowski, who a lot of times is the guy, the first one to step out of line and, uh, and, and really challenge what's going on. A lot of people thought that Toyotas especially, and maybe to a certain extent Chevrolet with their new body now, but last year Brad really thought that Toyota had an advantage in whatever they were finding in the tolerances and inspection and were really able to get away with some stuff, and that's what gave them the edge. This year NASCAR has a new inspection system called the Hawkeye system. This is all digital, right? This it is. This is basically just a, an x-ray or something. It, 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 it is. It's like it's, they use uh, lights and lasers essentially mm-hmm. to take a computer model of the car, and any place on the car that turns either, I think it's red or blue, either too high or too low, too out of shape, 
it, it shows up on what lo- on what looks like a um, temperature spectrum almost when you mm-hmm. see like with a, like a bio t- bio temperature scan sure. or something. It looks like that. The and what instead of having the claw and laser inspection like they had before, laser <laughs> <laughs> they had before, they go into a completely dark tent and and uh, and have it that Seems way. Seems like that'll be quicker. <clears throat> and, yes, and it fairer, is quicker. Probably. Yes, and, and so the t- Ford thinks. Here's here's what I found out yesterday, and this is why I love social media, because I don't have to read a whole article and go searching for it. I see what what media people are saying, and when they get asked questions of people that are on the tour every week, uh, Chris Knight, who writes for CatchFence.com, uh, actually answered a fan's question that Penske went ahead and bought their own Hawkeye inspection system mm-hmm. back at the shop, and that he's heard that the other major major teams have done that as well, so they could show up to the track with a legal product. And Dan, you know, you always, when we talk about cost-cutting measures in the sports, first thing you said is, oh, don't worry, the big teams will find a way to spend the money, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's never-ending. It's it's just going to be a never-ending deal. You know, like I said, if you want to save them some money, take away an airplane. Um, <laughs> yeah. This this deal is never going to change, and it goes further in in me solidifying what I said about N one. Um, it it's getting closer and closer. N one. <laughs> for those who, they, who don't know what Dan means by N one, is it was. Uh, I, I didn't mean to step on you. Yet. For those who didn't know what you meant by N one, that's like for you. You use the F one abbreviation for Formula One to apply to NASCAR N one. That's N one. <laughs> I like how you rolled that out two weeks ago when we did. I, He's I, gone with good. it. No, it's 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 uh, it, in a lot of ways. It's it's true the, with the way that they're running the. Uh, with the way that the it's going, yeah. it, it's definitely going that way. Because now, did you watch any of the ARCA? Are you familiar with yes. any of the stuff that ARCA has done? I saw the ARCA race. The spec engines and composite <laughs> bodies. They're trying to yeah, make yep. the cost lower in that series. Yes. Yeah, and and I can see where that would be a benefit because. I don't know if the bodies are one piece. I think they're one piece bodies and you know, you, you don't have a repair. You just put a body on, but if you are, if you're assembly line doing bodies, then that makes that deal, you know, pretty, pretty impressively cheap to do. And, and, um, whenever you template wise, it's just cut and dry. It's 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 the way it is, and you can't do anything about it. So, and the NASCAR, I, I see that as cost cutting for sure. And the Xfinity series outside of the plate races is go, has gone to a composite body. I think I think the truck series has as well. I know the trucks have a spec engine. As far so NASCAR is really because those series are hurting more on the, in the money bracket than yep. uh, than obviously the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup series is. Yeah, because so. you you win the race, you win the Daytona race in Arca, and you still couldn't pay your tire bill. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's kind of, yeah, pretty much. And well, congratulations to Michael Self, by the way, yes. winning the first, you know, big track stock car race of the year. He won the ARCA race, which, by the way, I don't know if y'all saw the end of that, that ARCA I, you race. You know, can I tell you, I, tur- I turned away. It took too long. It, was it took terrible. too long, and um, it was just going to be one lap. At Daytona, which is the wind-up lap, yeah, they don't have a green-white checker. They, they, in, no, they have a they have a green checkered. Yeah, it's it's like the green and white come out at the same time. So, so they, I just it, thought yeah. I'm not going to sit here and wait 20 minutes for them to clean this up, and then they're going to do a wind-up lap. An and, hour. Yeah, it yeah. took an hour to run one lap. Essentially, that's I yeah. mean, and that's and I got in trouble with my family. I was supposed to run out and grab dinner. I was like, oh, I'll wait till the race is over. <laughs> we and finally, Sarah goes, I'm going to go get it before they close. <laughs> and she left. Yeah. She was mad at me yeah. the rest of the weekend because I was like, yeah. well, yeah, how's I supposed yeah. to switch? I, mean, I knew that at Daytona, it's just a wind-up yeah. lap, so I don't. It wouldn't have been exciting. Was there it was exciting to watch debate. the last lap? Or? Well, I mean, it's exciting to see one. If you're getting yeah. the, the way I feel, it's just like when you wait in line at a restaurant. 
If you've waited in line so 20 minutes, deal, I'll wait an Eric hour. And Doug, out of the deal <laughs> for the weekend, what did you see? Did you see anything that really surprised you about the clash? Did you see anything that that really made you stand up and think or or made you think about something? Not as far as the series, but uh, it actually has to do with Chase Elliott. I thought that I saw he, he seemed to have more spirit in his drive. He was making moves that I thought were uh, uh, very um, – it's uh, the word I'm looking for. I, he just seemed like he was going for it. I don't know what happened at the end of the race, but uh, I just thought he was more aggressive than I've seen him before, and I liked that. That's the thing that stood out to me. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a good point as well. And I think what happened at the end, you and I were just talking about this right before we started the show, is he just he he got out of line at some point, got shuffled back, and couldn't make it up. And it was seemed like that car was able to go anywhere it wanted to early in that race. Yeah, and, and by the way, you know the difference between this Spice Sunday and going back to when we would go to Daytona back decades ago. Do you know what the difference is? I'd love to hear it. All right, um, after as. While the car was in its wreck mode, it hasn't it hasn't finished wrecking yet. You're on the phone calling home, saying, "Get another car together, and how quick can you get it down here?" Right. Yeah. And as opposed to, well, let's just go get another. One. We'll get another one off trailer. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they're not running with their full... primary cars from the 500. They're running with their backup to the backup or right. something like that. Yeah. Yeah, but it's still. Don't get me wrong, it's still as good as any car that they've got down there. And that's the difference. Because we took we had we had a car that we destroyed in the clash down there one year and we sent home and got the show car mm. and put the motor and trans out of the race car that wrecked into the show car. That's incredible. That's that's how different it is today. Now it's just okay. Let's you know we got another car. So let's <laughs> how specialized car. were your race cars back then, Dan? I mean, so now I mean you have your speedway cars, your road course cars, short track, intermediate, pretty much every track. Not every single solitary track, but every type of track you have two or three cars for on a big race well, racing that, team. Well, at that time you were running your best car and everything because it was your really? best car. Wow, and so everything when, else was second rate or third rate. So you knew if you wrecked the car. And that was the deal going into the race was, be careful with this car. This is our Daytona 500 car. And remember when and, Kale Yarbrough wrecked in, I think it was 1983, yeah. when he flipped, they had to go to the Hardys down the street and get the show car, yeah. and they put the number get 28. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when you said, so that wasn't the only time that happened. You're saying you guys tore one up in the clash in, in the late 80s sometime and then had to send off for another one. I had to send for the, send for the show car wow. because – you essentially wrecked and and hopefully you could get your car fixed but if it was destroyed like it normally was then there was no way of fixing it but no mistake about it it was your best car and you were just hoping and praying that you could get the other car equally as good because you had been testing with it with the one you wrecked you've been testing you've been massaging you've been doing all those things that led up to the to that week and you you absolutely had everything invested in one car. It's changed a lot. Now, Dan, how did you feel about seeing the nine out making its first competitive laps on the racetrack? And that's you know with with an Elliott behind the wheel the first time that style. I mean, you've had the Evernham nine out there for a long time, but did did that make any pride swell up in you a little bit? No, really, it didn't because it, Doug, you don't have anything to do with it anymore. Yeah. That, that's the thing about it is, is 
other than other than the driver there isn't anything that's done on most of the cars outside of charlotte or mooresville right right and if you don't and if you don't work for a team then you don't have any involvement whatsoever you you don't have that personal investment that you had before that so, that pride that you had before and i wonder too with the three car being out there i if it, this is something that's gone unnoticed, but the only drivers that have driven the three cars since Earnhardt have been in in the Childress realm, mainly the Dillon brothers that yeah. started in trucks, Xfinity, then Austin Dillon took it to Cup in 2014 for the first time since Earnhardt died in 2001. And Jordan Anderson just started a truck series team, and it's going to be the number three. And it's going to be in but his, as much as you want the number, right. as much as you want the number to mean something, it is not the same, and it never will be the same. And, and that number three is not related to anything Childers affiliated at all. And I just think it's interesting how much a deal was made of the three over these last few years. And I thought it was cool to see it on the racetrack. And that's always been my favorite number to see. I just it's just sure. badass. It's Dale sure. Earnhardt, you know. But but it, it doesn't do but that, that will for only me now. Mean something. <laughs> it will only mean something to the fan that was and is now. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but but I just think it's interesting that not one j- just for oddity's sake, no one has said, "Oh, this is the first time that the three is being run in NASCAR competition outside it has of nothing. Childers." Yeah, it, it, it yeah. hasn't even brought because Jordan Anderson is not a big name driver, not a big name team, but it's right. it's completely outside of that realm. So I, I found that interesting, and and in your take, Dan, too, because it's not like Chase hasn't been in the nine two years ago when he was running the or three years ago in the Xfinity series. And so forth, yeah. and it's also the old twenty four. Well, it's a great you know? paint job yeah. for what that's. Yeah. The car looks fantastic. The, the Mountain Dew one, especially. Yeah. I yeah. think a lot of people like that shiny green on there too. So I wanted to talk about something else. I want to get back to something with Chase in a little while, but NASCAR didn't bring a, a big sweeping rule change like they did with the stage racing last year or with the the new points system, the playoffs that they did several years ago. But they do have several competitive changes to try to tighten things up. We talked about them a little bit. This weekend was the first time we saw them in action. Teams now have rosters where they can bring only a fixed number of people to the racetrack. Those people have hard cards. That's how they get around to the track when you're a full-time member. And so, and they, you have to scan in and out of the garage. You cannot necessarily share team members. It's, it's very strict because they want to limit how many people are coming to the racetrack. NASCAR, and they release those rosters so you can see exactly who's doing what and what their job is. Then they also are allowing only five crew members over the wall instead of six. And you know how refined pit crews are. And they have standardized pit guns and several other little rule tweaks to try to bring this the, the cost down. And Dan, from being on a crew for many years, I'll come to you first. What do you, what do you think of those attempts, along with what we talked about with composite bodies and all that, to try to reel this in? Do you think this is really going to do that at all? No, I think it's all about control. I don't think it has to do anything with cost whatsoever. I think it goes back to N1 and control of the whole thing. Now, one thing that they pointed out before I get to you, Eric, is and Fox didn't really do a great job because there was only one pit stop, really, during yeah. the race, and it was kind of haphazard. It all happened at the same time. They didn't get to cover it like they would normal pit sequence. The pit stops were over – the fastest one was over 16 seconds. Yeah, that surprised me. Because you had five me. people going over the wall instead of six. The fuel man is no longer to make a, uh, allowed to make a chassis adjustment. That, that, yeah, I think ugh. people were, were thinking that it was going to be another second or maybe two. I don't think anybody expected that. I mean, we were getting uh, sub twelve second stops. So sub to ele- go yeah. to go sub yeah. eleven, right? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I, I still think that 
they should go back and let the driver change his own tires. And his own car. <laughs> I'd love to see Eric Jones change, change the tires. I, just, I would love to see. It. Although they did have Joey Logano do that for a lady on the side of the road the other day. Yeah, that was, that was I, pretty cool. But uh, yeah, I mean they'll bring that down, right? I mean, it's the more that was their first chance to jump out there in real competition and do yeah. it, and uh, I'm sure they've practiced for it all off season. But probably we'll see that number go down. We'll get to the middle of the season, and we'll get to. The, We'll know exactly where what the area is going to be, right? They're not going to stay at sixteen, seventeen I, seconds. I've already noticed, though. So you know they will, and so it's just going to be interesting to see. And I didn't think they did a great job in the broadcast. So they they interviewed some pit crew members before the broadcast, saying, "Wow, you know, this is going to be different." And and even during the race, they talked to I think the. Uh, the fuel man on the seventy-seven car, something or on the uh, seventy-eight car, and he was saying how their all their internal clocks are out of whack because everything's different. But they didn't do a good job explaining how the teams what they're actually doing that's different. What they did because there right. is one less tire carrier. That's yeah. what it boils down to. You and have, the fuel guy can't do anything but right. put fuel in. Right, but the the, the person that's gone mm-hmm. is now you don't have a front or rear tire carrier. You're missing one of those, and so. That's going to be, I think, fun to see. But also, what I, the argument I heard made by a lot of people is, isn't this supposed to be about really, at, at the end, what's on the track and the racing? And here we are again talking about rules changes mm-hmm. and the cars and the pits. And and, and, and I think that brings us, uh, an actual question. I kind of want to throw this out to you guys. Like, How important should the pit stops even be? Oh, I think they should be yeah, very but Doug, you, you've got to factor in that there's four things that make this deal work. And right the crew, the car, the driver, and the engine. And without ever one of those being in sync, because we've seen it time and time again, where you have problems with one of those four factors and you're not even in the game. Yeah. yeah no, I agree. I, I think that uh, the, the, the pit stops are very important. Uh, maybe we shouldn't be talking about them more than the product that's on the, on the, on the track, um, but it shows how strong a team is and that it can't just be the driver and it can't just be the engine. It needs to be people working together as a team and also uh, that last pit stop, the most important, you know, you have pressure. How do you deal with the pressure? The best teams deal with the pressure uh, very well, and so I think it adds to the sport. My, my thinking, and maybe I didn't read anything about this, I thought that they were taking one person off to make just to get less clutter and maybe make it safer on pit road, right? I mean, if you take forty people, one person per team, right? That's, that's forty less people you have going over the wall. Yeah, well, it's forty. I think the idea was it was forty less people they're they're paying for a flight and for room. Oh, and okay. All that stuff. I okay. mean, I, I think that uh, you know, I, I think that that's an added benefit. But I think mm-hmm. the number one deal was was cost. No, and it was let, the same with the let road me ask you too. a question. Yeah, I wonder if in these rosters, if you okay. The crews have gotten had gotten to be your fly-in weekend crews who were professional, whether they were ball players, whatever they were, that that pitted the car. Now that you've got a roster and you can only bring so many people in, so I understand this. Now, do you eliminate some of the Sunday fly-in people and the people that are more specialized that you need now are having to fill these roles? Because the specialized people have to be there to either take care of the engine, to take care of the driveline, to perform to perform specific jobs, whether it be IT engineer, whatever. So have you now got an engineer, tire changer? And, and I'm asking the question. I yeah. Don't know. Well, so what they do is they release these rosters 
and they say what each person's job is on there. And there are a few people, Daytona, they were allowed to have four extra people come down for the clash because you know, just because you have more cars there and, you know, some teams are taking care of two yeah, cars. Yeah, one would better be a body man. Well, exactly. And so that what the, I never saw any instance on any contending race team where they had somebody that was listed as Jack Mason. Because I read through the roster. I wanted mm. to see what this looked like. I've never seen it before. And there was nobody on there listed as Jack Man slash Engine Tuner. They, everything is still specialized. There's just less number of people that are at the racetrack. And I think the idea, I think what teams are going to do to try to get around this is they're going to figure out ways to communicate with these people. Th- they'll be holed up at the shop somewhere, right. Command Central, or and, and be able to communicate with them uh, during the weekend to be able to, you know, to to get that data back and forth. I, that's what I think is going to happen. Well, I right. know that they already do live data. I know that yeah. because when they tested at Gresham, all of that stuff was live, and yeah. they were getting feedback from engineers, whether it be at Mooresville or other locations. Yeah. So I think multiple that's, locations that I, they could do that. I, I think unless you're a team that's really small, you're not going to ha- you, you're going to use hired guns for your pit crew. You're going to have people. It's just not the same anymore. I, I was watching uh, an old race a while back. I can't remember which race it was, and they what they had done on uh, I think it was on um, Johnny Benson's race team in 2001 or something is they had a bunch of shop guys going over the wall and there was a race where Jeff Gordon had wrecked out early that season and Johnny Benson was up there in the points and doing well and they used the 24 pit crew over the wall to serve as Johnny Benson's car right. you know because they knew that the 24 pit crew was specialized and those theirs wasn't now no, you can't do that anymore if you're in that situation you can't do that anymore no yeah you're not, but, the, but no. Eric the owners frown on that too because. Mm-hmm. You don't want the pit crew that you've been training and paid to be down there to be working for somebody else and get hurt. Right, right, right. And what they so do now is they're not going to allow that. The owners are not going to let that happen. In the support series, though, a lot of the Xfinity teams that have Cup Series affiliations use Sunday guys for their teams, and the ones that don't, those guys are usually backups for the others. The question is, is what happens when one of your people goes down if you have a fixed number at the track? You have to build into your roster utility people that are able to go over the wall and service the car, and that's going to be that's going to be an interesting thing. Is is if somebody right. gets run, you know, hit on pit road and they get a concussion, or, or, or they just fall down coming around, or something, yeah, right? yeah. or if they accidentally get run over in the parking lot on the way into the race. Well, track, exactly, right? yeah. They you know they slip in the buffet at Denny's, <laughs> right? You yeah. know, and <laughs> so what would happen in that situation? You got somebody uh, part of of the other crew. Is ready to go over well, the wall if they have to. The, so, I mean, the rest of the crew that's there behind the wall. I, that, that's that's my understanding is if you have a utility situation, I I don't think that there's a pool of, like Hendrick Motorsports. I don't know that they have a separate development pick. They were flying development pit crew to the track each week right. just for that. Mm-hmm. I don't know that they're allowed to do that anymore. I think yeah, I think but they if have anybody to, got hurt, I'm sure NASCAR would make an allowance. Well, yeah, where there's that. You could bring somebody in and do that. But I mean, I'm, I'm confused. Me, but, what if it happens in the middle of a race? Right. So let's say you lose a guy in the middle of the race. You can't. I mean, first of all, I, you, you got to be. You got to have a fire suit to go over the wall. So you can't just take anybody off the. Well, they, they, they anybody that's on the crew out there that's not one of the engineers sitting on top of the box usually has a fire. That's suit That's who on. I'm thinking of. So yeah. the engineers on top of the box aren't going. No, no. I think that they, they have how uh, many people tire they, mechanic they have. Right. They have the different 
you know, the, the tire specialist, the shock specialist. So now those guys end, are going to have to know in the back of their mind they may be called into action that, if someone goes down. See, I think that's yet to be determined. And that's it, obviously we didn't see that in a 75 lap race with 17 cars on Sunday. But I wonder, you know, come the Daytona 500, it's going to be interesting yeah, to Dan's see. But Dan's right. I mean, somebody could get a, a bad meal the night before. It doesn't necessarily have yep. to be being right. hit on, on pit road. I'm so. sure they would allow allowances not, not during the race. Like, hey, we're switching out this person to put someone in. But if it's during the race, I think I wonder, it could be If you're so. down to three guys, do you have to deal with that? I mean, I would. Th- I would. Uh, yeah, I yeah. Mean, <laughs> I, that might be interesting. be interesting. So, but the thing is, is that they can't bring that development pit crew with them and have them sitting in on the side. Right. They have to be on the roster, and so they would be taking up spots of somebody who's working on the car. So that's. Yeah, that's going to be. But then, then there's going to be duo roles that, that that come out of this, right? You got to go to the Possibly. track with one job in mind, knowing that if something happens, you might be called to go over the wall, right? Uh, I guess. Yeah, I don't. I, it's I don't know. Yeah. That's that's what I think. That's yeah, what I the big go question that mark point. is. I might go AWOL. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah, that's a good point too. So well, what I saw the typical lineup for the teams that they had down for the clash was you had your your. Five pit crew members. You had a f- couple of utility people, and I'm not sure what roles they served. And then you had two race engineers, crew chief, car chief, front end mechanic, underneath mechanic, shock specialist, engine tuner, and then um, there's one more. I uh, there's there's one I'm forgetting. I, I lost. Well, track. you remembered it, most of them. That's but yeah, pretty good. But, but they were all very similar. That would is be, what I found. The, the one you don't didn't mention was the chef. The chef. We'll see. Yes. So yeah, and that's you know, yeah, they actually every team had two hauler drivers. The hauler drivers were on the list. Yeah. The IT yeah. person was on the list. The vice president of competition. So the only people that were given that they don't have to count their PR people, for instance, mm-hmm. or the team owner. You know, they're, they're, if they have dignitaries, that doesn't count. But anybody that has a hand on the race car is going to be. Yeah, I'm starting to think more list. like like what Dan is saying. It sounds like more like control. And it maybe is. And, it, yeah. it's definitely control because. If I were smart, then my PR people would all be 300 pounds and uh, ex-football players. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. Well, and what NASCAR but is it possible that there wanted... was just too much going on every week and NASCAR couldn't keep up with who was with teams it and who possible. wasn't and – you know, that's a that's a you big. You got to sign in. You you've got a list of everybody that's there and who they belong to mm-hmm. anyway. Right. Okay. I, it, I think NASCAR said that they wanted also the names of the people that work on the car to be out in the public domain so people could know the inner workings of the team and say, oh, that's the Jackman for this. It's sort of like to give them personality. And the argument was made like, we're trying to figure out how to get people to coalesce over one driver. Like, we can't, yeah. we're not going to remember Chase Elliott's front end mechanic, you know, mm-hmm. like that's. And so it's it's gonna be interesting. So uh, since I said Chase, I want to pivot to. I, well, I guess this will be number three. On I was the gonna list. say, and I yeah, think we're we, at three. Yeah. yeah, we're at least at number three, and that's um, Chase himself. And I, I was thinking a lot about his 2017 season, and it's just like how. What is the number one thought, Eric? I just want to say when you think of the Georgia Bulldogs football season, like uh, came in second. They came in second. Exactly. It's not. <laughs> man, we actually won the Dagum SEC championship of yeah. the Rose Bowl. It's man, Toyo to a little. Uh, you know, yeah, how, this. how old is he? How long has he been doing this? Well, exactly right. It, 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 exactly. So my okay. my question is this. Hey, he put me on the spot, Dan. Right. He, I, was he, doing immediate, I was doing immediate connotation <laughs> about the Georgia football season. And and so I wanted to say this. We, we, we I think in Atlanta now, these last year and a half or so, have really become sort of feeling like the heartbreak kids, right? Because mm-hmm. of what's happened with Georgia football and then the Falcons. Super yeah, but Bowl. you know what the next question will be after he wins a race? When he win another one. Yeah, when he won a championship, well, yeah, right, exactly. Right, yeah. Well, so I wanted yeah. to say, does did you all ever did you all feel that as Georgia Nate, well as Georgia residents, 
uh, the, this sense from Chase Elliott's season, as great as it was, that when you had uh, you almost won several races, you almost won the Daytona 500, you you came within one spot. If you hadn't given up that spot to Matt Kenseth, you'd have been in the championship for at Homestead. As it falling in line with the same feelings we had about the Falcons and the Bulldogs, I, I'll go to you first, Eric. Yeah. Well, I say absolutely not. Don't go to, I I uh, I read somewhere, and Dan would know this, but I read somewhere that. Uh, that uh, he hasn't he hasn't been in as many races as Bill was yet before winning, right? I think it was. Oh, I, I think I think that uh, I think that I think that um, at this point in Bill's career, it, if you put the same number of starts. same number of starts, okay. I think that he's still on track to maybe even win before his dad as far as number of starts. Obviously, Dan will know if that's right or not. Yeah, but uh, let's put things in perspective. Um, <laughs> you often do. You're not in the best equipment that, that man could bring to a racetrack. Right. Uh, going back in decades past. And uh, you you did the best you could. You made, you made the best of everything that happened. And the attitude was, we didn't do it this week, but we will be there next week. I'm and you to... didn't look at anything other than each day at a time. Right. Well, I think, I mean, pivoting from this, I kind of hit it earlier. I, I thought I saw a more aggressive Chase Elliott in in that clash. I thought he was making some really cool moves and almost sort of, I just felt like, okay, that was last year. You know, there was well, I would the, be aggressive, too, because I don't have to fix the cars. Yeah. I don't have to worry about where the money comes from to fix the cars. And then all I got to do is, like most of the other drivers, is put on my spandex pants and go riding on the beach. Oh, my God. On my bicycle that costs me more than my car is, and I'm riding in today. It, it, it looked like it was 70 or 80-something was the number of starts for Bill, just kind of counting it up roughly. Right. And so, okay. yeah, you, we're in the same territory. And Bill but, had, Dan, but Dan is right. Yes. He, he, he did not come into the sport in number one in, in the best in the No, best, no. Uh, I mean, I was looking right. at it, it took for Bill to finish his first race was his sixth race because right. of his engine, crankshaft, shaft, you know. Sure, they, Just looking sure. at the reasons. Yeah, he couldn't you know. afford it. Yeah. Right, he exactly. couldn't afford to put out the best equipment. Mm-hmm. And, and you're learning as you go, and that was the process. He had to go through. You were in a learning process where every race was a learning process. But I'll tell you, with these young drivers, uh, I can't tell yet because it's it's hard to tell at a restrictor plate track. And I know it's not plates, restrictor races. Uh, and uh, they certainly, they're just so good. They're yeah, all just all so good. Done. I, I, yeah. I mean, what, I'm, what I mean by good is, again, they're, they're perfect when they're interviewed. They always get the. Uh, did we lose them? Oh no! Well, um, yeah. well, you know, you know what I mean. It's like <laughs> if I was their boss, I guess I would want them to be this way. But they get out of the car. They give the perfect interview. They say the right things. They do the right things. We need a villain. We need one of these kids to jump yeah, out of the car. Yeah, that's racing more exciting. Yeah. Do you understand? Are you agreeing with me? I mean, I, I agree totally. Yeah, I mean, just these guys are wonderful, and if they were my kid, I would be proud as hell of them. But I, I want somebody to get out of that car, one of these kids, to wear the black hat. Right. We haven't uh, seen that yet. Yeah. So what we've seen the closest to that is the character that we've seen with like Ryan Blaney right. and Bubba Wallace. Where Bubba they, Wallace has. I, I'll tell you, Bubba Wallace has got great attitude. I hope you know he's in that forty-three equipment. That's usually not the greatest equipment. Um, he's shown something at the uh, in the trucks 
more than Xfinity. Right, right. Um, uh, but yeah, I like an interview with Bubba Wallace. It's, uh, it seems to me like he's telling you what's really on his mind. Ryan Blaney seems like maybe people are taming him a little bit, but he certainly has that in him. Yeah, well, and Ryan Blaney's on that uh, Glass Box of Emotion podcast that NASCAR puts together and they do out of the Hall of Fame, and it is completely 18 plus and like right. totally rowdy and, uh, and very. Yeah. I'm I'm very surprised he's able to do. I wonder if he's going to get to do that this season now that he's full time at Penske. I would assume the, so because it's been popular. So 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 not, neither one of you had that heartbreak feeling like you did with the Bulldogs or the Falcons going to the bowl. I certainly do. Anytime a Georgia driver has come close, right. I'm going, oh my gosh. And I thought the same thing. David Reagan was leading with three laps to go at Daytona. Uh, he's done that in the Daytona 500, leading on the green-white checker, but yeah. he did it in the, Co- in the uh, Coke Zero 400 back in July. So you feel there's a Georgia he's, curse. There's, there's just that, that's <laughs> the same kind of thing we feel about, oh, we here we are getting close again. And Chase, do- doggone, got so close. But I feel even more optimistic about Chase's chances to rectify that than I would about even the Bulldogs, who that college football you're constantly rebuilding, and the Falcons you never know. So. I forgot about uh, Fran Tarkenton, who's a Georgia athlete. Who uh, <laughs> was it? Two or three Super Bowls they lost. Oh, was it really Minnesota Vikings? Vikings yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So. It's just, you know, I, I guess I'm carrying on that whole Captain Herb Georgia driver saying people don't. That's one thing I think NASCAR is missing is attaching drivers to where they're from. You know, yeah. it's, it's yeah. saying like, hey, the, oh, this because Ken Squire's the one that really made that a thing, you know. And I mean, come on, that, that's how I know where Jeff Bodine's from is Shamong, New York, or whatever you say, Shamong. Shamong, you know. What, you know yeah, yes. yeah. So you, you know these yeah. guys. Now you don't even know where people are from ex- unless you watch qualifying, you know. So they look like to me, they all appear to be made in a factory in Taiwan to me. All of these young drivers, they seem to be broken from the same mold. I don't think it's Taiwan. I think it's downtown New York. City. Well, yeah, that's, that's exactly. Correct. Yeah. Well, on this same vein, last night, uh, a subject number four here, uh, Harrison Burton and Todd Gilland, who will both be competing quasi full-time for Kyle Busch Motorsports. Uh, Todd Gilland's running a full season as soon as he turns 18, and mm-hmm. Harrison Burton's got a bunch of races slotted for, as well in the this truck series. Yeah, but the last night in the K&N Pro Series, which is NASCAR's regional series that's another rung down, they, they put on a whale of a show. So you may, for those listening that may not be aware, in New Smyrna Speedway, they have the World Series of Racing that goes on during Speedway, where they have 10 straight nights, and they run like a mini-season, and they have points and then a winner each night. And and Harrison Burton, I think, won the night before or two nights ago. But last night, he and Todd Gillen come down the last lap. Harrison Burton gets right to his rear bumper of the corner, moves him out of the way. They get side-by-side. Side. Gillen does the crossover and gets him again, and they finish the start-finish line and nose apart. Fantastic short track racing. And we're all, we, we are just now getting used to the Elliott, the Blaney, the Eric Jones. Kyle Lars has been here a few years now, the, the Dillon brothers. And we're already talking about drivers that are only four or five years younger or less Coming who are in. knocking on the door. Mm-hmm. And and certainly people see that about Todd Gill and Harrison Burton. And I was just wondering what you guys, if there was anybody on your radar, including Todd or, or Harrison, that you saw as being already right there next to them, or, or people that we forget about in this conversation of the next generation. Uh, well, I don't know. Dan would know better than me. I haven't really been able to. I've, I've heard about uh, Todd Gilliland a little bit. And that obviously people have their eye on him. Uh, I miss the days when you can come into NASCAR when you were like seventeen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I miss seeing you know, R twenty five. Uh, right. Or well, that's the other thing, right? A lot of times guys would come in when they're twenty five and they get on their really good equipment when they were thirty. Yeah, that, that, that's yeah. definitely not there anymore. I uh, think I think the thing that you're missing here is you've got a lot of young kids that are coming in that are really really good and could all probably compete well in the cup series 
but we'll never have an opportunity. Yeah. yeah. There's only so many rides. I think if, there's two names that I think get lost in this shuffle when you talk about the young drivers. So the Harrison and, and uh, Harrison Burton, Todd Gillen, the sons of former Cup drivers, are not are you know they they get talked about quite a bit and are going to be in good equipment. Here, here's a couple that I think show the potential and and just never get mentioned. One of them is Chris Busher. The guy's been yeah. now going to be in his essentially his third full Cup season and, and driving for JTG Jardy. Roush Fenway couldn't hold on to him because they had no place to put him and no funding, and, and they loaned him to JTG, and now he's a full-time – now he's yeah. their driver and a Chevy driver instead of Ford. A big miss there. And I feel like Chris Buescher – and he won an Xfinity championship driving Roush well, He's shown his talent. He really has. But is he ever going to get into the equipment he needs to get into to be able to really is – this, is this equipment that will he'll be able to really run in? I mean, he was with the, – the team expanded to two cars last season, yeah. and that was his first year of the team. And it, it, the whole team struggled. Even Almendinger in the 47 struggled. But it, he is someone that – he won an ARCA championship. Sure, he's good. He, he's, he's done a good bit and is still only like 25 or so. Mm. I think about Doug, how Joey Logano is only 27 the, <laughs> or 28, and he's in his 10th full-time season, yeah. you know? <laughs> and he's like, Doug, oh. You or Eric, either one, do you keep up with the blogs or the texting that the drivers do? Do you keep up with a lot of the different drivers? I bet Doug does. I, I, I don't. I, I Only if it's on Twitter or fa- not even really Facebook. Only what I see on Twitter. I, Instagram is something I don't really look at a whole lot. I put stuff on, but uh, I, I definitely I was just wondering what the up. comment, what, what the number one topic was among the people who blog and Twitter a lot, I wonder if there was a lot said over the weekend about different things or what the number yeah. one topic was. Well, and, and I just wanted to inject that in. Yeah, so that's a great question. Saturday, it was people that were all up in arms about how stupid the Arca series is and, oh, they crash too much. And, uh, I mean, and, and, it's, and they were... <laughs> but they what were, about the drivers or the teams or the crews or... Or any of those people. I wonder what their comments were because the fan. There will always be fan, but yeah. But you know, when you when you look at where this is basically the pop rock, as as Eric said, the the pop rock of yeah. this deal. Yeah. What well, were the comments that were being said? Well, I'll t- I'll tell you. The drivers thought that the reason that that things got single file on Sunday in the clash. Uh, Joey Logano said he learned more. This was the most useful clash that he's been a part of because they have half as much practice time these speed weeks than they did. They had from eight hours to four, essentially, right. as far as practice time. Yep. And then the cars were a bloody <clears throat> handful to drive. Eric Jones said he was barely holding on to when they got all three wide and stuff, and, and, and he it, had to just back out of it. And I think that's I think that was what the big coda was. Another discussion, too, by the way. So you're saying they just sort of tapped out. I think and, what they did is when they got single, single file, file, they just yeah. they couldn't get unsingle file right. because you you give up everything by doing it. And the drivers that did, well, you saw it happen. To, they either fell to the back, lost the draft, like Kevin Harvick and Ryan Newman did, or you you got out of line and then then Kyle Larson. When that race Johnson, was exciting, yeah. it was very exciting. But I was thinking in the back of my mind. There's going to be a really big one in Daytona 500 yes. because those cars were now they've got a week to get them better, but the, those cars were jumping all over the place, yeah. and they were for most of the race. It seemed like you could not only catch somebody, but you could pass somebody. Yes, that's what Jeff Gordon said a lot from the booth was that the cars in the draft could get much more of a run with the no with where they have a no ride height rule now. Yeah. They don't have a minimum height, and so they've got them as low to the ground as possible, which is part of the handling issue because they're scraping the ground. And then also the low, the rear bumper covers, everything is is all lowed out too. It looks like a car you'd see cruising down Buford Highway. Right. Okay, right now, yeah. 
yeah. know, so those not from Atlanta listening. That yeah, we'll <laughs> we'll let you. You'll have to look that up. But but it, that that seemed to be the main thing. And then during the race, Ricky Stenhouse got black flag for passing below the yellow line, and uh, and and then there was a whole rule. Though people said he got forced there. NASCAR said he didn't. He didn't give the spot back. And Dale Jr. actually was going back and forth with. Uh, one of the top NASCAR VPs, Steve O'Donnell, about on Twitter or something. Oh yeah, oh really? yeah. Dale Jr. was. Uh, in fact, he lied. What side was he on? He thought he was forced down. No, Dale Jr. thought this uh, rule. He Dale Jr. said the rule was clear as mud, and and he's. <laughs> I mean, he was just going for yeah. it. I was like, dang, Dale. And actually, I just pointed people to the um inter- exchange between he and Steve O'Donnell. You know, that's a pretty big deal. Right. And then Dale liked my tweet, <laughs> and then all these people started liking my tweets. Now going, you're the rock. That's star. all it takes is one person, to, uh, Dale Jr. Yeah. To like your tweet, so that that seems. So you're saying as a driver, you, you don't the, the, the it's not clear for the driver. It, it seems like well, that's what he was saying. Yeah. It's not clear. I think if if you're trying to advance your position and you go below the yellow line and you don't give the spot back, it sure. doesn't matter if you you know you you go to the bat, you get black flag, and that's mm-hmm. what happened with Stenhouse. Stenhouse claimed he got forced down there. It seemed questionable. I'll just think if I was Stenhouse, give the spot back real quick, let out of the. So if you do it immediately and give it back, they don't black flag you, right? Right. Okay. right. But but I think it's hard doing to do so, in that formation. Uh, yeah, it's hard. You know, and that exactly. So because you know what, you're being forced down there, even pulling out of the gas, pulling off the accelerator could cause a, a wreck. Yeah. So it's wind, not so wind easy. Probably cause a wreck, or yeah. you're going to get you're going to be freight trained. Yeah. Yeah, and the sure. 17 team definitely protested the penalty, and Stenhouse was very, you know, yapping about it a lot on Twitter afterwards. But you got to remember why that rule is there. We were having a lot of people were going down there an awful lot, coming back up on the yeah. on the track and causing huge accidents. And so. in the turns, I mean, it's, it feels like the car is wrecking when you just hear it make the transition from banking to apron, and so you don't want some yeah. rookie or somebody trying to tr- trying to take as much advantage as they can and then cleaning out the hole. It's a hard call. It, it's a very yeah, hard but, call. But, Doug, I, I go back to one of the driver's meetings in 86 at Charlotte when uh, Willie T. Ribs came in was driving a car up there, and he asked, could he pass in the grass in the trial? <laughs> and they told him if he could what make it work, go for it. So I feel the same way. <laughs> uh, but then it's racing. Then it's actual racing. I right? did it's see racing. one comment from a fan that when they made the yellow line rule, it was back when the grass and, da- and Daytona was very close to the back straightaway, yeah. and they just didn't want you know because by the time they made the yellow line rule, the cars were built as such you could not drive through the grass with any kind of consistency and not, sure. not expect not to wreck. But uh, it, yeah, it just you know they. It, and I, I understand the rule. I'd I'd kind of like to see if get you rid of the grass. Let, yeah, yeah. Get well, rid so of that's the, the thing is since then they've, they've, they've done, just they've got rid of it. Why don't they just put a wall there? <laughs> yeah, you don't want them down there. No, but I mean I I, no, I, I, I could you imagine put a wall there. It would actually be safer if they put a wall there. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's. A good I like point. that. I also like the idea of just getting rid of the grass. Make it uh, pave it. Of course, you want drivers because to have room to spin out. Anytime you leave yeah. that pavement, you're going for a ride anyway. So yeah. why not just put a wall down through there? Be done with it. If you, if the pavement's out far enough, though, I, I, and there's no wall, and you could just keep spinning and, and scrub all the speed out and don't hit anything, that's probably the safest thing I would think. Because if you had a wall, you'd bounce off the inside wall and back come into back traffic, the track. Like, like Dover, right? Yeah. Dover, there's no place to wreck. <laughs> so, but it's also exciting. So yeah, it's tough to know. Yeah, well, but if you wreck, you're in trouble anyway. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's man. But you, you have we, we uncover a lot of profound uh, things on this podcast. Right. That might have been the one. I uh, 
I, th- I I like the idea of it just being clean and just all concrete, because yeah. then that gives you the, you yes you go down there if you get out of control a good driver can pull it back together and get back on the track without necessarily yeah, flying back up there. Yeah, but I've seen slide all the way off turn four, slide for a half a mile, hit the inside wall, and still come back out in the race track. <laughs> well, that's true. They are going two hundred miles an hour. Exactly. Yeah. We won't throw any drivers under the bus there. We might have uh, pulled that maneuver off. Well, that that the yellow line rule and all that kind of became our fifth subject there. I do want to mention you talked about. Excuse me, the blogs earlier there, Dan. Brad Kozlowski, I love on bradracing.com. He he does a blog about once a month or so, and it's and it's deeper than just, hey, look what I did today and the car was there. No, he, he actually finds a subject and talks and goes really deep on it and talks about something of importance. And he talked about the founder of Discount Tire, and I don't know how to pronounce his last name. It's H-A-L-L-E. It's Bruce Halley, I think, or, mm-hmm. ha- or Hall maybe. But uh, he just passed away recently, and he was talking about how uh, Br- Bruce's choice essentially to fund Penske's Xfinity Series team is the reason that Brad is at Penske Racing right. because he wouldn't have left Hendrick with a- and gone to Penske and run a cup without the uh, the assumption that he'd be able to run in Xfinity and he won the championship in Xfinity in 2010 and he said that Bruce Hall when he met with Brad personally decided I want to do this and that's why he is where he is now and maybe he wouldn't have won a championship and, and talked about what a great guy the he was. people behind the people. Right, right. and so yeah. and he's the founder of Discount Tire, built the company out of nothing so that's a good read on bradracing.com y'all should go check that out. I want to ask you something so, uh, if, so 40 cars are there, they're all in there's no drama on Thursday so does, this, finish, yeah. does this mean that we're just going to get boring duels where people don't want to wreck their equipment and they just go around and uh, basically just follow each other, follow the leader? Because if I'm out there and I know I'm going to be in the race, I'm the only thing I care about is not wrecking my equipment, right? I, I guess, except I think the track position does matter at Daytona. It may not, it may not seem Over like Over 500 it miles? Well, I, I just think with the stages, though. Okay. With the stages, if, if you know that you have a, a, a chance to start up there in the top five or ten, it, and you're running 13th or something, or our seventh or eighth in a duel because it's it, the even numbers are run when one race, the even number starting spots from time trials and the right. odd numbers for those that don't know. I think that you're gonna you got to try to make something. Well, I happen. hope so. It's but the money doesn't. Yeah, but, but Dan, didn't yeah, the money was, matter a lot I'm, more when you guys ran the duels and the clash? I mean, if you won seventy five thousand to win a race, I mean that was a big deal, and now it's nothing, right? Yeah, but I'm I'm like Eric. I'm I'm going to wait and make that decision. After the green flag falls on the first shootout race, because if I feel like I've got a car good enough to get to the front without killing my car, then that's where I'm going to be. But but if I'm sitting there running in the middle of the pack and, and I'm fighting and clawing and I don't seem like making any, I'm not making any headway, then I'm going to rethink how I'm going to run this because I want my car in the 500. Right. And I know that in the 500, the, the main thing I want to do is be there at the end and win the final segment. I want to win the Daytona 500 because the way it's broken up now, I want to be the last winner of the Daytona 500. I'm talking about on that given day. I don't want yeah. to be a segment winner. I want to be the winner. Right. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Well, and, and I don't think people are thinking too much about stage points and that, but I think these teams are going to have to think about it more after what the 78 team Cole Pern, Martin right. Truex Jr. did last year. I, I think even in this great American race, you know, you got to be thinking, well, do I try to pit before the stage and get track I, position, or do I try to win the stage because it's a playoff point, you know? And, and I, I think I think this just muddies the waters in because if I win the Daytona 500, well, now it's which segment did you win? 
Okay. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. Did I win the Daytona? <laughs> yeah, I won the 500, but I was the first segment winner. Now you've got uh-huh. how many Daytona segment winners you got. Right. So does everybody get a trophy for, for yeah. participating now? <laughs> and everybody's in the field and nobody's going home. And gee, this is N1. Yeah, yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah. It's, we keep coming around to it. I can tell you something that made me sad over the weekend. Hmm. Yeah, watching Casey King go backward in yeah. equipment. Yeah. That's. I still think he's got talent. I don't know what happened there. He, he actually the last few years. Well, he drove uh, in that. He's with the number nine ninety five Levine family or the Levine Levine family racing car. Well, it's a restrictor race, so you got a shot. Yeah. But I mean, it, he's going to be in that equipment all year. I take it. Yeah. And uh, just kind of like you know. Yeah. Don't like to see him going backward like that. It, it, yeah, my, it's I think inevitable, he, but yeah, you know. he kind of he kind of earned that spot. And I noticed with their team, even though they had this strict number of people on the roster, and that was supposed to be an equalizer, the Levine team took down less people than the others yeah. in the clash. They didn't even fill out. Now they they have a rule where if you're a one car team, you can't you can only take two or three in this particular category as opposed to three or four. But why does like, someone like Casey Kane? Why does it? Why not just say okay, my cup career is over? Why? Why do the guys? He doesn't need the money. I mean, why? Why do the guys hang out like that? I, he I he was willing to go to look at IndyCar, look at right. sprint cars and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, go do then, something else. And he, I think he thought that that was going to happen. And he talked to some teams, did some stuff, and then this ended up being his best opportunity and his best opportunity because he could do this and then go run a, without much oversight. Can okay, run a bunch well of if he's if he's just yeah. keeping his, his feet in the game and and yeah, staying I, sharp for something else. Then I, then that's cool, but he's not I don't even think, forty. He's been here so yeah. long. He's not even forty. I, I, he started so I young, know in so, the old days, yeah. guys didn't make much money, and so they were they were still out there to make money. He doesn't need money, no. so if he's just keeping his uh, his skills sharpened, you know, while he goes on to do something else. But uh, there's a lot of other types of racing out there that he that he's very good at. Yeah, and and he doesn't need to be running around in thirtieth place on you know yeah well, the I cup think, race. You know, I want to tell you that ninety five team. There were points last because they're still an RCR affiliated team. Okay, they, they didn't switch to Hendrick or anything like that. And Kate, there were times when Michael McDowell was driving it. McDowell's now with Front Row Motorsports in the 34 car. That McDowell was outrunning the Childers cars yeah. in the 95. And I don't, say, know that, I don't say, know that McDowell, I don't know that McDowell. <laughs> might say more about the children's well, cars. Well, it might have said something. But, but I mean, yeah. I'm running Ryan Newman, okay? And sure. I'm running, and so I'm just saying there may be some potential there. And with RCR, you know, they, they've cut another team now, but they have the 43s on their campus. Yeah. That's a Chevy team now. Yeah, you know, they're trying. They, 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 there might be something there. You never know. I thought it was interesting, too, that Casey Kane didn't take his spotter, Kevin Hamlin, with him to the 95. He's actually using McDowell's old spotter over there. I thought usually the spotters follow the drivers, and this would stay with the team. So, I, I just I just found that interesting. I, I wish him the best yeah. of luck. I don't know, just one of those things I saw that went, oh no. Yeah, yeah, but it, it he lost the draft in the beginning of the race. It's because he um he, it wasn't a speed issue. Well, he he got some fender damage, and they told him to just back off because they knew there'd be a cost. He'll have a shot so, for a good run in the five hundred because it's a restrictor. But uh, yeah, that that equipment throughout the year is not going to look good. You never know for Casey Kane for somebody else maybe. Right. But. Right. Well, th- this all gets decided on the mile and a half, folks, and that's what will be Atlanta Motor Speedway. The next race coming after it uh, tomorrow, Tuesday. You may hear this on Wednesday, and this is totally pointless to you. But Chase Elliott will be down at the racetrack doing his uh, the the media day they have the, down there annually, and so we'll talk to him and get some audio. And then by the time we're back next week on here, guys, we'll know who the Daytona 500 champion is, and we'll have no idea or even remember who won the duels. Do you have so. a, are you going to uh, predict who you think's going to win? Gosh, I don't you know. You can't. It's, it's I, I, I don't know. I, the, the Penske Fords look fast, but I think those Chevys look fast, too. I, I, it's hard to say. One thing that's tough about the Chevys, new bodies, they've got that point on the nose. And, and yeah. I think in the bump drafting there, it's going to be hard to square up. It's going to be weird. 
I don't know. I'll pick Ham- I'll pick Hamlin for no good reason. Hey, he won it two years ago. Go. Why not? You got to pick for the five hundred, Dano. No, not yet. We can uh, talk about that, or are we going to have another program before they run or after they run? Uh, I think we'll be going again next uh, Monday or Tuesday, probably. So it'll be after okay. they run. So yeah. just choose Chase. That's that's good with me. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Hey, he looked he just like you said, Eric. He looked great there. Well, folks, thank you so much for listening in and uh, being with us on the five, six, seven something to go. We we covered a lot of ground today. We'll be back with you next week as we talk about what happened after season one here and both the, the or all three the cup, the Xfinity, and the Truck Series seasons. We thank y'all. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.